Hi, it's great to be with you. And uh, this time, obviously, on video. And I look forward to being back with you after the pandemic uh, limitations. Uh, my title today uh, comes out of Colossians chapter 3. And you may want to be looking that at the moment. But my title is How We Ought to Live. How We Ought to Live. And it would be helpful for you to know as we approach this passage that Paul is using the metaphor of clothing, the things that we need to put on as new Christians and as Christians actually, and also the things that we need to take off. And I'm reading from uh, uh, Colossians 3 from the New International Version. And I'm, I'm going from verse 12, so you may want to look that up. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves or dress yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another. If any of you has a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord has forgiven you. And over all these things, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. Since as members of one body you were called to peace. And be thankful. Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly. As you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom. Through psalms and hymns and songs from the Spirit. Singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. And whatever you do in word or deed. Do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus. Giving thanks to God the Father. Through him. I have four girls living in my house in this season. Uh, A couple of them have come back from university, back from school. And these are not just any girls that are living in my house. These girls belong to the fashion police. And should I go out and buy anything at any time, there will be some scrutiny as to whether a man in his 60s should wear that item of clothing. There will be discussions on the label that I'm wearing. There will be all sorts of questions and discussions at the table about whether dad should really be wearing that. And things come up like, hey, dad's bought some vans. Ooh, dad's bought a hill figure sweater. Or, oh, look, dad's just been to Gap and bought a sweatshirt. And the discussion will be is whether I should be wearing that sort of clothing. And the root of this scrutiny is that I am 61 years old. Or more precisely, should a 61-year-old man really wear this sort of clothing? So in the light of those discussions and that scrutiny, when I go shopping, I have to really consider in my mind before buying something, does this item of clothing suit the new 61-year-old me? Okay, I've never been 61 before, but that is my identity now. I am a 61-year-old man. So even though I don't think I look 61, okay, don't judge me, all right, don't judge me there. I am 61 and I need to buy clothes that suit the new 61-year-old me. Clothes that cause people to say, wow, look at that guy over there. He could be in his 60s, but he looks really good. Now, if I had you all here, I would probably say, let's all say that after me, but I won't go that far. Now, the context that Paul 
is writing from here, however, is not writing from a position of someone who is 61 years old and wearing the right clothes. Rather, Paul is writing from the perspective of someone who is now a Christian, who has received new life in Jesus, who is loved by God, who has been chosen and adopted and accepted because of all that Jesus has done, that they're secure in the love of God, and knowing that the old is gone, And this new life that Jesus has brought for us has come to us. And so Paul, and also God, wants us to grasp from this passage today that our new identity as Christians should affect our behavior and the way that we live. And new behavior flows out of new identity in Jesus. That's a really important part to get from this passage today. Our status today as beloved children means that we now need to live in the light of who we are now. A bit like me going into a shop, I have to think who I am now. I'm not 21 anymore. As a matter of fact, my daughter, when I went to speak at her youth camp at school this year, she said, you've got to meet my dad. He, he, he's an 18-year-old in a 60-year-old body. Uh, I've never been called that before, but I think I understood what she meant. And he's now pointing out to us, using the metaphor of clothing in this, and in the light of God's wonderful work for us in Jesus, what sort of old behaviors we need to take off, and what sort of new behaviors we need to put on. Peter, in his uh, letter, we read these words, You're a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. You're God's special possession. That you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you're the people of God. Once you'd not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. So Peter there, a bit like Paul here, is wanting us to realize what our new identity is in Jesus. And out of that new identity, new behaviors need to be put on and old behaviors need to be taken off. It's really helpful for us to pick up right from the beginning this whole metaphor of clothing. Because Paul uses it right through this particular chapter. As a matter of fact, we go to verse 7. Go back to verse 7 in Colossians 3. It says, you used to walk in these ways in the life you once lived, but now... You must rid yourselves or take off or put off all such things as these. Anger, rage, malice, slander, filthy language. Do not lie to each other since you've taken off the old self with its old practices and you've put on the new self which is being renewed into the image of our creator. Again, in our passage, we see Paul picks up the idea of clothing again in our part that we read right from the beginning in verse 12. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly love, clothe yourselves or put on then compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness and patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another. And if any of you has a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these things, put on love. Can you see there that he's speaking about things that we need to take off from our old life and things that we need to put on 
for our new life. Put on love. That's something that we need to do. And here this morning, we could straight away give ourselves to a list. And the two lists would be things we take off, things we need to rid ourselves of, and things that we need to start putting on in our lives. And if we did, we could probably find some things in there to commend ourselves with. But knowing who we are really, we'd probably find some things to condemn ourselves for. I find people tend to do that. They tend to always find something to condemn themselves about. I'm not very good at that. I wasn't very loving today. Often when I'm leading a Holy Spirit weekend for Alpha and I read Galatians 5.22, which lists all the fruit of the Holy Spirit. People say, oh, I really need some prayer for patience. I really need some prayer for self-control. But actually the passage isn't about what we think we need. It's about receiving the Holy Spirit. And as we receive the Holy Spirit through prayer on the Alpha Course, His fruit will come out from our lives. And so we need to make sure that we understand the context of what we're reading and how we can grow in these areas. So just to treat this passage right here as a a self-improvement program, you know, we've got to take this off and we've got to put this on. Uh, We need to see here that it's not like going to a charity shop and saying, well, I don't wear these anymore, I take this off and I put these things on. No, we're going to miss out if we treat this verse like this. We're going to miss out on some wonderful truth that was found in this passage that will really help us, now that we've trusted in Christ, to live lives with the right mindset and that we'll live in a way that glorifies God and brings glory to Him in those that we meet. And so I want us to see here that in this passage is the very motivation that brings about a life that pleases God. Well, before we get to the taking offs and the putting ons, and I'm not even sure I'll get that far, we can see here what this passage presents us with. It's important to see that our new behavior flowing out of our new identity and knowing who we are. Let's look at it. And I'm not going to apologize for laboring this this morning because it's really important because our scripture starts like this. Put on then or get dressed in then as God's chosen ones, holy and deeply loved. Let me read it to you from the Bible. It says, therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, put on these new clothes. Now, Paul starts by reminding us who we are. He doesn't say this. He doesn't say this. If you change your behavior, if you sort yourself out, if you clean yourself up, and if you do better and you live in a godly way, then God is going to be pleased with you and God is going to love you and then you'll be accepted by God. No, he doesn't say that. Why doesn't he say that? Why? Because saying something like that would undermine the gospel. Because the gospel doesn't say that. And so he doesn't say to us, come on, shape up, sort yourself out, get rid of that bad behavior because it's wrong and get some new behavior. And if you do, then you'll be accepted and loved by God. He doesn't say that. No, he says this, put on then as God's chosen holy ones who he dearly loves. Just look at those words, chosen, chosen by God, holy, beloved. Beloved means much loved. Or deeply loved. Paul points them straight away 
and causes them to look back at what God has done for them in Jesus. To believe in his finished work for them in salvation. To receive what God has done for them in salvation. And in that we receive forgiveness as we trust in Jesus. And we receive acceptance. And we receive cleansing from the past. All the things that we've done wrong. And all the sin that was in our lives. And we realize that the price has been fully paid. And we've been adopted by God. And we've been raised from death to life. It says that right at the beginning of the passage that we're reading. That we've been raised to life in Christ. And so therefore... Paul's saying to us, in view, in view of his amazing love for you, in view of his amazing work for you in Jesus, and in view of his amazing grace of taking you as you are and calling you to be his and loving you now, dress appropriately as one of his children. So for us, that means we need a new wardrobe, wardrobe of, uh, of behavioral clothing. That we need to put on probably every day knowing us. New attitudes, new language that flows out of God's great love for us and God's great work in us. You know, as I I get to travel around churches, sometimes I I visit churches just to see what they're like before I go uh, working with them. And I think I've got very concerned when I go to a lot of the churches that I visit that often I'll hear something like uh, a sermon and at the end of it, I'll go away feeling, come on, do better. Do better, shape up. You need to be doing better. As a matter of fact, it's almost become a mantra at this season of life. I think I often see uh, banners these days, do better, shape up. And I don't think that helps us in the church because that is not the gospel. The good news about the gospel is it's not about us. The reason the gospel is such good news is it's not news about us. It's news about Jesus. And that's why Paul wants to establish them, first of all, in the truth right at the beginning before asking them to put on these new behaviors. It's about what Jesus has done for us. It's about his finished work for us. It's about his perfect obedience, not our perfect obedience. It's about his sacrifice in our place, not us sacrificing in our lives, trying to earn God's favor. Listen, the gospel starts with God. For God so loved the scripture says, but God in his love, when we were far off, when we were still sinners, Christ died for us. The gospel starts with God. So, so Paul is making a really big point here that we need to grasp before we start changing our attitudes and our habits and our language. And that is this, God loved you first. God loved you first. God loved us first. God loved us first. That's why Jesus is good news. It's good for us to realize in Ephesians 2 uh, verse 10, God says to us through his word, he says this, you are God's workmanship. Or, Or in some translations, you are God's masterpiece. Why does it tell us that? Because God wants us to know that we are his workmanship. We're not a self-improvement project for ourselves. No, it's God at working us. It's God changing us. It's new life in Jesus with new focus and new attitudes. 
It's God's work within us. And I really love that. One of the joys, I think, of seeing people baptized is when you go to a baptism, you can, you can ident- they can identify with them being put to death and raised to life as they go into the water and as they come out of the water. And I love that. I think that's a real strength for us. I think that's a, a means of grace to us in our lives. Because when I am tempted to sin, I can look back and I can see my baptism and I remember that day and I, I can remind myself this. Listen, Chris, you're dead to sin and you're alive to God now. You have strength to not be tempted in this way. And so I think it's really important for it. I think it's a real help to us in our Christian life to be baptized. I think that's why I would say it's part of the process of salvation. Because at every point of our lives we need to know we've been identified with Jesus and we've been raised to life by him. We are not affirmed in any way by our performance or by something that we've done to try and earn favor with God. No, it's all the work of Jesus. It's what he's done. It's what he's done. And God's word says to us from that point, we must consider ourselves dead to sin and alive to God through Jesus Christ. Are you counting yourself dead to sin? But more so, are you counting yourself alive to God through the work that Jesus has done? Well, here too, Paul wants us to know and live out of our new identity. So Paul starts with these words, as God's chosen ones, as God's holy and deeply loved ones, put on new behavior that suits the new life. We need to put on some new clothes that match the new us that we are now, having been loved by God, having been cleansed by Jesus, and having been brought near to God. Back in uh, chapter 1, and verses 12 and 13, we read these. We read this, and giving joyful thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of his holy people in the kingdom of light. For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the son he loves in whom we have redemption the forgiveness of sins and what I love about that verse there what I love about those verses is can you see how settled that is can you see how it's nothing to do with us it's all to do with what Christ has done for us that we've been rescued to stand before God we've been qualified to stand before God we've been taken from darkness and we've been brought into the light we've been taken from the kingdom of darkness and brought into the kingdom of the son that he loves listen knowing who we are will make the biggest difference in our life and knowing whose we are living in the light of all that Christ has done for us and it's important for us to see how settled that is and how finished that is and how it's all on Christ and not on us that is why it's grace that we receive in salvation so it then goes on and we can read here from our chapter since then you've been raised with Christ since then you've been raised with Christ set your heart on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on earthly things, because you died and your life is now, underline the now, your life is now hidden with Christ 
in God. And when Christ, who is your life, appears, we will appear with him before God in glory. And it's really important for us to grasp not only is this true what Jesus did, but it's true of us. It says, since you have been raised, since you have been raised with Christ to new life, set your heart, set your eyes, set your hearts on things that are above. In light of the facts that we've looked at so far, having been made new and chosen and made holy and being dearly loved, dress in some clothes that suit the new you, that suit the new identity of being one of God's people. Not the 61-year-old me, but the, but the loved child of God that you have become. Put on some new clothes that go with the new you. I wonder what those clothes would be for you. I wonder if it would be taking off some anger. I wonder if it would be putting on some love. Maybe it would be being more patient, whatever it is. But we put it on because Christ has loved us in that way. He has been loving to us. There's a TV program that I watch uh, with my wife at times, and it's called What Not to Wear. And they take people, often people who are running a business, and they do a secret footage of them, and they look at their clothes that they are wearing. Uh, Maybe somebody only wears all black, or somebody wears spandex. Everything they buy is spandex for, for some unknown crazy reason. Maybe someone's really into glittery clothes and shiny clothes. And they look at them and they say, look, now you're a business person. We want you to be able to present yourself well, so we're going to help you to dress in a new way. And as we look at that, as we study it, we find that they, they give them money and they go to a shop and their tendency is to buy the same things they've always bought. And then you find that Clinton and Stacy, the, the couple that are on there, they come rushing into the shop and say, don't buy that. That's the old life. Rather, put on these. These will suit the new you. And it's very interesting because they struggle with it. They struggle with really realizing that they have a new identity. And it takes the whole show normally before their mindset has changed and they understand, some of them, that they're worth loving, that they're worth changing, that they're worth being helped. And for all sorts of reasons in their lives, they've struggled in the past with maybe wrong attitudes towards themselves. But as they receive this new mindset, Their lifestyle changes. Listen, as we receive a new mindset of how God thinks about us as his dearly beloved children, as those that he has adopted, as those he has chosen, then our behavior begins to change. Why? Because when we know who we are, we find ourselves secure in Christ. We find ourselves knowing who we are and living out of who we are. You know, I know growing up, because I had no dad around and my mum was uh, struggling to bring up myself and my brother, there were lots of insecurities that took place in me. But actually, I know after becoming a Christian and knowing I was loved by a father in heaven, things began to change. And old habits began to be lost and new ways of living came. But it took my mind to be changed. That's why God's word to us says, says to us, um, it says, Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. As we line ourselves up with what God says about us, 
We find ourselves secure in his love. And we don't have to run around trying to please everybody. And we don't try and do things to make God pleased with us. It's not the way we're going to earn his love. Jesus has already done that. It's not a recipe for God loving us. No, it's the result of God loving us. It's out of the relationship we now have with a father we know every day is totally for us and loves us. Paul is saying in the same way here, guys, some of the stuff you're wearing doesn't suit you anymore. It doesn't, it doesn't fit you anymore. It doesn't fit the new you. So put on clothes that match who he is, who Jesus is, as we become more Christ-like in our living. That suits the, the work that he has done in you already. You belong to Jesus now. So put on behavior that commends him. Put on behavior that makes you an ambassador of the work of Jesus. Put on new behavior that commends his love, that reflects his love. Because you know for sure he already loves you in Jesus. You're not trying to win God's approval. You're not trying to say, if I do this, then God will be pleased with me. No, we see here, God already loves us completely in Jesus. And so in our security of his love, we begin to live knowing that we've found that which brings security and closeness and the favor of God. We have, the Bible says, peace with God through Jesus Christ. And that's the best peace. Paul makes plain to them their new identity and that motivation for them is God's love poured into their hearts by the Holy Spirit God's love poured into them so he encourages them and he also us because we're reading this today to put off the old dead behavior and to put on the new risen with Christ behavior the new People who've, who've come to Christ and been part of his kingdom now, behavior. I love it where, uh, where in the passage, I think it was in verse 7, it says, you used to, you used to walk in these ways in the life you lived. Listen, I lo- love that. You used to. That's what God's saying to us. You used to live in these ways. You don't have to live in them anymore because you've been loved and you've been chosen and you've been cleansed and you've been made mine and I chose you it doesn't matter what you think of yourself today I want to tell you this God chose you before the foundation of the world and he has plans and purposes for you and because of our new identity we're called to ship all that lot and the ways that we used to live and we send them all to Valley Village we don't need that anymore We don't fit that anymore. That doesn't fit the lifestyle that we're living. We're living a life to glorify God. And yes, we mess up all the time. All the time we mess up. But God still loves us because his love is unfailing. We don't want that anymore. That's not who we are anymore. Because we are loved and chosen and accepted and holy. And we have been clothed with Christ, which is the most important garment to put on. And so he's going to talk about what we need to put on. And uh, I, I'm just struck by the fact that these are the characteristics of Jesus. And I'm not going to say a lot about the things that we put on this morning. I'm not going to have time for that. But the characteristic, no, notice here how it's linked to Jesus. These are Christ-like characteristics. So not only have we been baptized into Christ, not only have we received the Holy Spirit, we're becoming more Christ-like. 
And I think it's made really clear for us where Paul says in the passage, forgive then, forgive then as Christ has forgiven you. What sort of new behavior are we talking about? New behavior that shows we are followers of Jesus. That's why, that's why we're called Christians. Christians is little Christ-like ones. That's what it meant. In, you know, the Bible tells us what's it, uh, uh, they were first called Christians in Antioch. Well, what did that mean? They were Christ-like ones. They were little Christ-like ones. So we have the characteristics of Jesus. Love. We have love. We have compassion. What is, what is compassion? Compassion is love characterized by mercy. We care about other people. We have compassion like Jesus did. Kindness. Humility. Jesus, was very, Jesus humbled himself. Even though he was the Lord of glory and should be bowed down. What does it, it say? He knew he'd come from God and was returning to God. What did he do? It says he took off his outer garment, wrapped a towel around his waist, and he served. And he served his father and he served with joy. Forgiveness, forgiving like Christ forgave you. And it says, and above all these, put on love. You know, I, I remember there was a time where everybody was going around with these bracelets. I never had one myself, but it said, uh, what would Jesus do? What would Jesus do? Well, I'm not, I'm not talking about that today. I'm actually saying this, do what Jesus did. Live like Jesus lived. This is what we're being called to. Actions that display God's work within us. They won't make God love us more. But they will show forth that God is at work in our life. They will be proofs to a watching world. that actually, you know what? God's at work in us. And we're not the people we used to be. It's not do these things and God will love you. But put on these new ways of living because God has loved you completely in Jesus because of Jesus finished work for you in salvation just just take a minute and think how Jesus loved you when you were far off just think of how merciful he was to you think of how forgiving he was to you think of how patient and kind, it speaks of kindness here. Think of how kind he was to you. Listen, knowing who we are informs the way we live. But our belief affects our behavior. That's why I don't call myself a sinner. You're very, you, you won't ever hear me call myself a sinner. Now, you know, some people are often shocked when I say that. Because if I call myself a sinner, then my tendency will be to sin but actually in this passage it's a great example of what we should do we are loved children of God and the way that we are now informs how we're going to live in the future that's an important thing so I'm not a sinner I I would say this I'm a saint that's what the word that the apostle Paul used for the Christians in the New Testament I'm a saint who sometimes sins that's an honest approach to it is I'm not a sinner because Jesus has cleansed me and forgiven me we see that in the passage I'm a saint who sometimes sins I was a sinner but Jesus rescued me and qualified me Paul tells us in Romans he says this therefore I urge you brothers and sisters in view of God's mercy to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. 
this is your true and proper worship. What is he saying there? He's saying, in view, live in view of God's mercy. That's how we live as a Christian now. We don't live trying to obtain God's mercy. We've already got that in Jesus. We live in view of the great mercy that we have been shown. And then we line up our lives with what the word of God tells us in this passage. How different does it feel for us in reading this passage when we see it's not just a list of take it off and put it on, do's and don'ts. It's not a rebuke and a call to shape up and do better. Come on, shape up. No, that's not what God wants, but rather living in view of God's mercy. As a people chosen by God. And it tells us in verse 17 of the very passage we're reading, whatever you do, whether in word or in deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God. Everything we do, we're doing it for God's glory. Everything we do, we're doing it for the Lord Jesus, representing him before a watching world as a loved child of God. This is not rooted in performance, but it's rooted in the performance of Jesus. We need this mindset, knowing who we are and then being affected in our lives. I love the uh, Paul, same person where Paul says, he says this, that Christ dwelling in our hearts through faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love. Do you know the most important thing you could get from this this morning is this. Be rooted and grounded in God's love. Let your roots go deep into how much God loves you. Let your foundation be grounded in the love of God. And then let a life that glorifies God come out of that. God's desire first for us is to be rooted and grounded in his love. And I love the way that continues. And it says, uh, may have strength to, then we may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and the length and the height and the depth and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. I find I work best in my life when I'm rooted and grounded and thankful for God's great love for me. I don't deserve it. I didn't earn it. But having received it from Jesus, I want my life to count for God. I want my life to count for Jesus. I don't want to look further at the the, the qualities that it lists down here because otherwise quickly we run to a list. But I want us to pray this morning that we would be a people that when we encounter others, they will find a people rooted and grounded. That they will find a people who are not living to try and earn God's favour, but we are living with God's favour and reflecting his love into this world. Let's pray together. Father, we just thank you that when we come to you and when we come to your word, we see, Lord, you loved us first. Lord, you took us when we were dead in trespasses and sins and you made us alive. And having become alive, Lord, you give us your Holy Spirit and you you made us part of your church. Lord, and now we want our lives to glorify you. We want our lives to reflect 
what amazing love you've poured into us. Lord, And Lord, we thank you that the, the Christian life starts with the gospel and it continues with the gospel. Because you loved us first in Jesus. Lord, I pray that we would be those who every time we come together, we would celebrate the great love of God shown to us in Jesus on the cross, paying fully for our sin and making us your beloved children. Lord, I pray and out of our security of knowing who we are and whose we are, that we will make a difference in this world, reflecting the love of God to those that you send into this church and into our community and into our homes and into our jobs and everywhere where you have given us a place to share your love. Lord, may we today not look to ourselves, but may we rejoice in Christ who has rescued us and qualified us. In Jesus' name, amen.